Welcome back, moms. I am back with a new episode. Thank you for joining me again. We'll get all the pleasantries out of the way because this story is not pleasant at all. It took a while for me to even bring myself to tell the story. Uh, The more I researched, like the sicker that I got to my stomach and the sadder that it made me. Um, And so what I think about when I'm doing my research for the stories is what the mother and what the child what they actually were, you know, were going through and how it does not compare to my feelings just telling the story. But of course, there'll be a lesson at the end of the story. And I think that is most important that we know that this is going on. This is going on in our kids. It's a very, very sick world. Very, very sick world. So we will take a quick break from our sponsors and we will jump right in. So we'll jump right in. Um, I know everyone has heard this story once or twice. It was huge news about the sweet little Camille Cupcake McKinney um, in October of last year who went missing. And I can remember watching the news and thinking, I think the first thing that we think when we see children her age, because she was three, the first thing that we think when we see three-year-olds missing is we kind of point the finger like, well, what were you doing as a mom? We kind of you point the finger and you think well she should have been watching her kids and she should have and you you don't know what that mother is going through and three-year-olds you know we know that they can they can be a handful and you if you turn your head one time they could be gone in an instant they can be hiding they can be you know whatever so I, I know I was guilty of passing judgment on this mom until I started to do research and I started to watch um, interviews with her and this woman was truly truly hurting and so this was about Cupcake McKinney Camille Cupcake McKinney um, she was born April 22nd 2016 she was in Birmingham Alabama her mother is April and father Dominique um, her parents called her a loving sweet and extremely kind three-year-old and if you saw the pictures of her which I'll post one in the Facebook page but if you saw pictures of her she had those little teeth and and I look at the details of little kids she had these little bitty teeth this beautiful smile with these pigtails and only three you know just a sweet innocent uh a sweet innocent little baby I mean at three you can't say your words correctly still. You know, you still got the baby talk. And so she was a sweet little angel. Um, her father said that everybody loved Cupcake. And I think that was such a cute nickname for her. She was a tiny little thing. She stood three feet tall. She was only 60 pounds of just sweet innocence. Like she was just an innocent little baby. I mean, I love three-year-olds. I love that age because they're old enough to get up and walk around, but they're still pronouncing words wrong and saying funny things. So, you know, this is really when their personality is starting to come through and you can really enjoy your kids. Um, so on October 12th, 2019, uh, she went missing and her and her mother were at a birthday party in an apartment, in a, a apartment complex called Tom Brown village. Um, she was outside with other children, um, and she went missing. So her mother, and you, I know we've all been to birthday parties where the parents kind of sit around and the kids go and they play. For me, I'm a different kind of mother. So there was never a time for me to 
kind of uh, keep my eyes off my kids. I've always been just terrified of it. And you'll know why if you go back and listen to the first episode of this podcast. Um, that has been present in my life my whole time, me being a mom. So me taking my eyes off my children is is stressful to me. I can't do it, especially at three. Now I'm not passing judgment on um, her mother because you don't know the situation. I mean, she was out there with other kids. I believe there was like an 11 year old out there one time. And I mean, you know, I have a very mature 11 year old who's able to kind of, Hey, keep your eye on, you know, when my son was 11, keep an eye on your brother. I'm running in the house to grab something and come back out. It could have been that it could have been, you know, there could have been other parents out there. I mean, there were, it was a birthday party. So there were tons of kids out there. Um, so the other children say that she was approached by a man with a limp and he got out of a dark SUV. Um, and he kind of, so you saw they did, uh, spoiler alert, they did release an actual video and they saw it at this time, it was just her and another three-year-old outside playing. And this sweet baby was just, looks like they were playing in the dirt. Looks like they had sticks and they were kind of playing in the dirt, just being kids. And you saw one man walk up, say something to the girls and walked away. And then another man walked up. He said something to them and he went off in another direction and they followed him. And from there, she went missing. So the mom immediately jumps into a panic. She calls the police um, and she's like, you know, my, my baby is missing. And thank God these kids are old enough to speak and tell. And they say, this man had a limp. It was a dark SUV. Um, he grabbed Cupcake and put her in his car. The FBI got called the next, the very next day. So they weren't playing around. They knew that there was no way a, thir- a three-year-old in this area. So it wasn't like it was mountains or woods where she could be missing and she could be stuck in there. They knew that in this area where she was, there was no chance that she was lost and she had to be taken. I mean, they have the, the word of the kids also, like she got picked up. They called the FBI in the very next day. They were ready. They took over the area. They swarmed the apartment complex and they started to to look for her, um, which that made me really happy because, I mean, and it's just the truth that, you know, black and brown girls go missing kids and it's not as much... <sighs> We don't get as much coverage, as much news coverage um, as if, you know, Caucasian kids go missing. And, you know, for whatever reason, I don't know if it's easier to accept black and brown kids missing than it is to see a pretty little white girl missing. But I was very, very happy to see that immediately they took her serious. Immediately they jumped in and immediately the entire community kind of rallied around. And so there were several searches. There were several, you know... Uh, the whole community would get together. Everybody kind of pulled around the mom. And the fact that the FBI was involved, things moved fast. And so they would get a tip and they would jump right in. Um, so that Monday, a different apartment complex, uh, at a different apartment complex, they took two people of interest. Um, they used, they, they were able to find these two people because of the sighting of the vehicle that led police to Patrick. And his girlfriend. So Patrick is the gentleman that they ended up picking up. And I believe her name is Derek. I didn't even, I didn't even give it a, a, I didn't even give it a 
Like, I didn't want to even look up how to pronounce her name. It doesn't matter. Her last name is Brown. I'll call him Patrick. I'll call her Brown. That's it. Um, so when they picked him up, they went through his phone and he actually had child porn on his phone. So he was charged with having child porn, which, I mean, God, what kind of disgusting human being? He was able to post bond and he was able to get out. Now get this, his, this, this girl, she wasn't able to get out because she, she was going to be held on unrelated kidnapping charges. She had a case for unrelated kidnapping charges. She also had, um, a charge for, she was punishing a kid and she put him in the dryer. I don't know. She was punishing the child. I don't, I don't understand how that was punishment. You know, that I, she took it too far. Okay. So she couldn't get out. So the police, they get, they're getting tips. They're getting tips for nearby apartments from folks saying they seen a child in the apartment. So they're getting these tips in the FBI and they're swarming the area. And when they get these tips and the family gets wind that they have a tip, you know, of course they're going to the apartment complex, hoping, praying to see her alive. To, to be there to get, you know, get her back. The governor was very vocal about how hopeful he was and, and he sent out thoughts and prayers and he was really, really vocal about wanting to get this child back. I think that, I think the community really thought that, I mean, you, you never think that someone would kill a, a three-year-old. So I think the community really, really thought that they would find her and they would find her alive. Um, so... They swarm in on this apartment complex where they get the tips, hoping that she'd be found. Nothing. She wasn't there. It was a false alarm. It was someone else's kids. But, I mean, I guess the good thing is how they reacted and how they were right on it. And they went in and they, you know, jumped right on it and went searching. Everybody is praying and hoping this baby is found alive. It's kind of like... There's no way she could be dead. Like if somebody took her, her mom is on TV begging, her dad is on TV begging, like how could you, why would you kill a three-year-old? The chances of her being being able to identify you are slim. What could you possibly want with a three-year-old? So on October 18th is when they get their hands on the tape of how and when she disappeared. So that you were able to see the two, the two gentlemen approach the baby playing You were able to see them say something to her, walk away, and then another man approach and they follow him off camera. Um, So they were actually able to see, they were actually able to kind of get a body style. They were able to look up on that limp and just kind of see if the gentleman they had in custody had anything to do with it. Um, Police take his vehicle, this vehicle that they saw. I mean, because when they said that she got picked up in a a dark SUV and then they picked up Patrick and Brown and they had a dark SUV. They thought this is it. So they went to, they searched for DNA for cupcake in his vehicle. Um, her parents at this time, they were pleading. They were saying, drop her off. No questions asked. Just let her go. I mean, as any parents would like, you can go free. If it, if it's, if, if it, my child's life depends on it, you can go free. Go for it. I don't want to, I just want my baby back. That's it. So you can imagine at this time, uh, they're willing to do anything. They're willing to say anything to get their baby back. Um, police, they began searching door to door, talking to everybody. Look, the police, they really, really wanted 
they really wanted to get her back. So they started talking to everybody. They started going door, door to door. This whole community literally wanted the baby back. They really wanted a win. You know, they thought a three-year-old, it wouldn't it be amazing to have an Elizabeth Smart or, you know, um, that kind of situation happen where she's home. Just amazing. Unfortunately, um, well, well, October 21st, Brown said she was ready to talk. Um, she said that she was with him at the apartment, but she did not take Cupcake, which kind of made sense because when you looked at the, the tape, you didn't see a woman, you did see two men. Um, so she said that she was at the apartment and she had taken some, uh, some sleeping pills. She took some trazodone and some meth and mixed it together. So yeah, she was a crackhead along with a child abuser. What a winner. And she said she woke up and the baby was in the house. Um, she says, you know, she didn't, she didn't know what he was doing with the baby. She had no idea that he took her, but footage later on did show her at a gas station. She didn't seem bothered. She didn't ask for help. She didn't seem like she was distressed that they had taken this baby that wasn't hers. She seemed normal. She seemed like the look of a woman, you know, who just had taken a child and didn't get, didn't care. She states that she did want, once she saw a cupcake and and she was able to interact with her. She wanted to keep her as her own child. She didn't want to hurt her. She wanted to keep her. Patrick, however, when they called, when you know, when they brought him back in, he told police that that Brown suggested that he do something sexual to the little girl. And he said he refused, telling, you know, I'm not gonna do that. I'm going out and smoking a cigarette. I'm not doing that. He later says that he fell asleep, and when he when he woke up, Brown had her hand and her hand over the baby's nose and mouth he said that brown gave cupcake a bath and took the bows out of her hair um and she said that so when she took this trazodone and this meth she said that she thought she was seeing things um so she didn't think that what what all had went on with this little girl she didn't believe that she had that it was actually happening she really believed that she was seeing things um she says that she woke up later and she she found the little girl sitting on the couch on the sofa in the living room and he was she he was standing in front of the sofa and he was forcing this three-year-old to perform oral sex on him i just you know what in the world i don't know like a three-year-old it's literally a baby and this is the scary part, and this is the reason why it needs to be told, is because it's not like it's not happening. Like, I'm a part, I listen to a lot of podcasts, and I'm a part of a lot of those groups in the podcast. And a lot of people, they say, no children, we don't want to hear about it. And I can understand that because listening to podcasts or talking about children being abused, it's it's tough to hear. My problem with it is that it's tougher to experience as the parents, as the child, like, think about how tough that is, you know, not discussing it doesn't mean that it's not happening. And it is. And these are the type of things that people are doing to our children. I mean, add this to the list of why we are, why we should be so outraged, why our children are being preyed on by sex, you know, sexual demons, by, you know, people who hate kids and just want to hurt them. Like, why is this not an outcry? Why are we not more upset about what's going on with our children? 
So October October 22nd, unfortunately, her little cupcake's remains were found in a dumpster at an Alabama landfill. Um so they they just dumped her. They just literally threw this sweet baby away. That's what they did. Threw her with trash. How? Why? I mean, you have to be a sick individual to not feel. Because they did take him. They had um, him uh, on tape, you know. You could see him on tape. And he was not. He didn't look like he was at all, at all upset that he had just taken somebody's child. In my opinion, this was something that they both planned to do. Like it was probably some sick fantasy to 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 do this. I don't I don't see and I guess I don't know. This is a tough one. Like I don't I don't know how you get two sick people together, you know. I've talked about this before where sometimes you can be crazy. But then you get your significant, you know, there's sometimes I want to do crazy stuff. I'm like, let's just forget it and blow all this money and let's just go shopping and we'll think about it later. And my husband's like, uh, pump your brakes, lady. We're not doing that. So usually in a relationship, you got one person that's just not having it. And every once in a while you get these two idiots, two idiots together and they're willing to do anything. Um, Patrick was seen six hours earlier at a store where he bought $17 in candy. So it is clear that he thought this was his way of um, luring these kids in. We know that because earlier that day, he approached two 11-year-old girls. They were coming from like a cheerleading practice or something at a local school walking home. And he approached them and he said, you, you, got, you girls are looking like, you look like somebody, a girl that I'm looking for. And I have this candy and thank God these two little girls, they were so weirded out and they were so scared. They just took off running. So once Little Cupcake um, went missing and they they gave the description of the, the truck and everything, these little girls ended up coming forward and saying, you know, this is something that we, you know, what we experienced earlier that day. And this seems to be the same person. I mean, I don't know. I don't know how you, I don't know how that starts. Like how that demonic, uh, those demonic thoughts, how they start in your head and eventually get so strong that you want to act on them and do something to little kids. I just, I do not understand it. I can remember when I first started driving and my mother would let me go to a local restaurant. And I remember it was always Rally's, which I think is Checkers now. And she would always let me go to the local restaurants and drive. And it was a huge deal for me. We had a little escort. And um, I remember I would take my sisters. And my mother would always say, like, you don't, don't cause any trouble while Sam is driving. Because she, you know, she's new driving. She's a new driver, so don't cause any trouble. And we get to the drive through line once and my sister's laughing and talking and I'm trying to order food. And I yell at the top of my lungs at her. I'm like, what do you want? And the look on her face, she, I literally broke her little heart. And I think maybe, maybe about seven years ago, I still came back and apologized to her. This was well over, over 20 years ago. 
And I, I cannot stand, and it's probably the reason why my kids know that they can get whatever they want out of me, but I can't understand hurting a child. I just can't understand it. I look at them and you can crush their whole, you, you can crush who they're going to be by how you are towards them. And I, I don't want to be a part of, I would never want to be a part of, of changing, changing how a child will turn out for the worse. I just can't, I can't be a part of it. So I tend to always t- speak to my children, you know, softly and I mean, I'm firm. I'm very firm when they need it. Um, but just softly, I don't want to change the way people, children are. To, to, okay. So the reason why I tell you this story is because I just, I don't under, it, I don't understand how people can abuse a child because for me, just yelling at a kid and seeing that, that heartbroken look on their face is enough to that's enough for me that's enough um and I still apologize to my sister for yelling at her that day in the car because I still felt like I still see that look on her face and that is too much for me so how do you look at a three-year-old and feel okay with what you're doing to her like there is absolutely no remorse there's no empathy for what you, you know I can't do it I cannot do it. Uh, one of the 10-year-old boys that was at the party, he said that he saw her being taken and he saw her crying. I mean, this poor baby was probably terrified and not thinking what's going to happen to her is about to happen to her, but just thinking, I want my mom. Like, I, I don't know you. I want to be with my parents. Having no idea what what's coming. I just, I can't understand it. So these two 11-year-old girls and the 10-year-old boy, they were, their their statements, they led to, that's what led to them picking up Patrick. All of their statements, all of their eyewitness accounts, along with the truck and the candy. And, and the fact that they saw this guy in this dark truck grabbing this little girl, they then put it all together. Um, footage from a gas station nearby caught the couple getting energy drinks and sex pills so it was kind of like I'm, I'm guessing like a viagra type um drug and energy drinks sick absolutely sick absolutely sick i hope it's true and we all hear this so i hope it's true that people who harm children in prison are absolutely tortured in prison you know because you, if you're a woman in prison and you're missing your children to have a child murderer come through the doors. It's kind of like, yeah, we're going to kill you. And I, I, I'm sorry, but when I hear stories like this, I hope it's true. I hope it's true because what the hell were you getting energy drinks and sex pills and you had a three-year-old in your home, sick, two, sick people. And this was already after they had cupcake in their home. They had already had her there. They came to the gas station and they, and they did. And, they bought these things. Um, so they go to trial and they're going to trial for capital murder because first they find, they do find his DNA under her nails and they, the police, when they first picked him up before they found cupcake, he has scratches all over his chest. Um, and of course he had some stupid, some stupid excuse for him. But once they found his, his DNA under cupcakes nails, you know, 
you can imagine that she was fighting. She was fighting for her life. She was fighting for her innocence. What a sick piece of shit. Like, sick. And uh, just sick. So during the trial, both of the parents stayed in the courtroom during the entire, entire trial. So that means they heard these horrible details of what happened to their children, their baby. I'm not sure I would have been able to do it that strong. Um, while the detectives were um, being questioned on the stand, the judge had to constantly give them breaks because they were becoming overwhelmed with with emotions. They were they were they were really sad because they really had high hopes that they would be able to bring this baby home. They really did. Um, it was just that terrible that they had to pull themselves together. Um, Brown, she wanted to make it seem like during the trial, she had nothing to do with it, that she never helped with cupcakes. She never, but, but she also never stopped them. Like, so if you, you may not have grabbed her, but if you never stopped him or called the police or, you know, left in the middle of the night while he was asleep, while this baby was still, you know, alive and let her out the front door and said, run, then you are just as culpable. Like, I don't care that you that you weren't there when he picked her up. You joined in once he got her. I don't care who I am, who who I love and who I'm with, and he brings home a child that's not ours? No. That's it. No. I'm not I'm not gonna go along with this. I mean what a sick as as his as his girlfriend, like how did you feel when he felt like he needed to bring home a three year old? Whew. Um it's believed that they both sexually abused like a cupcake. They both had some type of sexual, um, I, I keep saying demonic, like spirit on them where they felt like that, you know, where they felt like this was okay to do. And then after that, they killed her. Um, and when they did the autopsy, they did, they found, like I said, they found his DNA under her fingernails, but they also found trazodone and methamphetamine in cupcake system so I mean and this is this is brutal but I hope in my mind I I hope that um that cupcake was so out of it from the drugs and so kind of numb that she didn't feel anything that she didn't she wasn't able to really fight fight because she was just kind of drugged up and just kind of gone I mean it's sad all around either way, but you really hope that's the case that she's, that she was kind of out of it. Um, she was smothered. So they figure the story that Patrick told was probably true that Brown did put her hand over her mouth and smother her. Um, during Patrick's trial, his lawyer said, <laughs> and this is, you know, this is crazy. If this is your lawyer's quote, when he's given his opening statement, um, we are not here to talk about whether he is a good man or not. That will be a very short conversation. So you're, the lawyer's like, I know this guy is trash. Like, let's not talk about that. But his lawyer, it surprised me. He said that he, he felt like he wasn't guilty of capital murder. He felt like he was only good, guilty of felony murder. Um, because capital murder, it held, it holds a, um, a sentence of death in Alabama. So his lawyer was saying, I don't think that he is guilty of capital murder. Now, capital murder 
is where the victim is killed during the commission of another violent felony. So if you are trying to kidnap me and you kill me and you, you may not have meant to kill me, you just wanted to kidnap me, then that's capital murder because you're already committing a felony. So if you're killed during the commission of a violent felony, a violent one, so like armed robbery, arson, kidnapping, rape, and you're killed, then that is capital murder. Uh, I think it sounds pretty likely that this is what he should be tried for. Um, I'm not sure how his, his, um, his lawyer felt like it wouldn't be capital murder, um, but to me, it absolutely was. It's cut and dry to me. You kidnapped her and you killed her. And and to me, it was probably even worse because I don't think that he killed her in during the commission of creating this. Like, so I don't think that he killed her um, while trying to kidnap her or while trying to rape her. I think he did those things to her and then just killed her. So basically committing to just, let's just kill him. How about that? Let's just kill him. That'll be nice. Um, October 27th, Little Cupcake was buried. Her casket, she was in a, a white, like, horse and carriage. She was pulled by a horse, you know, horse and all white casket, which is, which is kind of perfect because her innocence, you know, you know, white symbolizes innocence. And that's kind of perfect when you think about a three-year-old and the way she died so violently, um, that she's an angel, a sweet, innocent angel. Um, this was a very, very tough moment for that community because, and you say what you say about the hoods and the, these apartment complexes that people consider the hoods or the projects. I grew up, I grew up in a couple of them and there will be several things that will be going around. Like, so you may have had drug dealings going on. You may have had older people fighting, but you, they, no one messed with us. No one messed with the kids. My mother never had to worry about us going out and not coming back in the house because it was kind of like an unspoken rule. Like we are family in these projects and you don't mess with the kids. You just don't like, yeah. And which is not as, you know, not any better, but you, you can sell drugs down the street, but you don't take a kid and do anything horrible to a kid. So I can remember, I can remember growing up and seeing the guys out selling drugs. I can remember witnessing this stuff, but I never felt immediately in danger. I never felt like they were going to do something to me. They never, I never felt in danger myself. If anything, the ice cream truck would pull up and they would all get us ice cream. So I think the community, this community here was hurting because they pulled together during this. They prayed, they searched, they hoped that Cupcake would come home alive. And they knew that this community had its downfalls, but kidnapping, raping, and murdering a child was absolutely not one of them. It was something that, you know, was a big no-no. It was not something that they did. Um, the FBI and the local police, they talked about, because Brown eventually told, when she, she told where Cupcake was, they had to dig through 12 tons of trash to find this sweet baby. 12 tons. I think that I'm in the wrong. I think I always feel like I'm in the wrong um, line of work. 
because I feel so passionately about protecting the children. Uh, so, and I don't, I, I'm sure other people feel that way, but I feel so deeply passionate about protecting children. You know, I, I, he- I heard a quote once, um, it talked about, uh, it said, don't argue and fight in front of your children because it changes who they are. And I don't know, that stuck with me. And I kind of took that statement and blew it up and, and I, I've added to it. And so there's a lot of things that I won't do in front of my kids. And I they don't live in a bubble, so they know that things go on. They know that life isn't perfect. But there's a lot that I won't do in front of them. I won't say in front of them because I don't want to change who they are. And I never want my kids to, or any kid that I'm, that I love and I come in contact with to have to get therapy behind me. Like, let's just think about that. Like you are literally raising the future adults in this world. But like I said, I feel like I'm in the wrong line of work. I feel like in some way I should be advocating for children and fighting for children and, uh, you know, I don't know, just loving on abused children. I keep begging my husband to let me become a foster parent. And he already knows, like he says, of course not, because he already knows that we will have a house full of kids. I will never, I will keep them all. My heart is that big. Anyway, um, so that's how this, the so it was tough for the FBI agents, the police, the community, her family, because everybody was kind of feeling this. They had so much hope. They had, they just, in the back of their mind, they didn't think that someone would kill a three-year-old. So they had so much hope and they were ready to bring this baby home. Um, It was also being questioned if they could even get a fair trial of peers because everybody knew this story and everybody hated them. Everybody had been praying for Cupcake. Everybody had been hoping. You see this little cute, this cute little face on TV. So everybody had been praying and hoping that she came home. So they really felt like there was absolutely no way that they could get a fair trial because everybody hated them so bad. Um, after all, So after all this, they did speak to Cupcake's mother again. And she said that she's broken and she'll never be the same. She's forever broken. And I think that is... I think that's probably an understatement. Like, I think when you lose someone suddenly, um, it breaks you. I lost a very good friend of mine, very, very good friend of mine, suddenly. And I think that broke me uh, and it made me look at friendships different. It made me look at the people that I love different. But I think if you lose a child it breaks you in a different way. And if you lose a child violently at the hands of someone else, you know, I don't I don't think it just breaks you, but you are broken. Like you can't, you know, your heart is just not broken. You're just a broken human being. Like how do you come back from that? How do you close your eyes and not think about the pain that she went through or the hell that she went through or how she probably screamed your name and wanted her mom? How, how are you not broken? I hope for... April Cupcake's mother that she is still that she's getting help and she is because she I know she needs it I know she needs it I need it from from reading the story I need it I think this is my therapy just telling the story and being able to yell and scream and say how horrible people how horrible these people are that's my 
Now to my therapy, but for her, it's on a, of course, on a whole different level. And I hope that she's getting some help. And I hope that, you know, there's nothing that you can say. There's nothing you can say to make it better. Um, but I'm praying for her, her heart, because her heart will literally forever be broken in 20 years. It'll still feel the same. I mean, that's all I can imagine. I mean, how you hope she moves past it and is able to live life. But I saw a picture of her and she was in her, it looks like she wearing scrubs. So she may work in the hospital and on her, all over her badge, she had these little cupcakes, you know, I don't know how you get, I don't know how you get past that. I just, I, I'm, I'm extremely thankful that I am who I am, that I have the people in my life that I have in my life where I am able to protect my children. Um, everybody's not as, you know, everybody's not as, um, fortunate to have a great support system where you can take your kids over there and you can, and you can leave them. So I'm extremely thankful that I have the people in my life that I have that, that are able to help me and I can walk away from my kids and say, I know they're okay. They love them like I love them. Um, so this was a tough one. This was a tough one because I was watching a video the other day of my son and um, he was three. And uh, I think saying that I couldn't imagine is probably an understatement. It's more than me not being able to imagine it. It literally brings tears to my eyes, putting myself in her, her situation. Like I lose my breath putting myself in her situation. Um, so I never, I never want to be, and I just continue to be thankful and just stay vigilant of people around my children. Um, literally, if you're not my mom, my dad, you know, our close family, I don't trust you. I'm sorry. I can love you. I can have you over. We can laugh, but I can't leave you with my kids. Sorry. Um, and I think that that's probably the, the lesson in all this is especially for parents who are now in my age group and they're getting older and they have smaller children. It's not like when we grew up, I mean, and I think it was still happening then just not to the extreme, but it's not how we grew up. It's not how we grew up. People are doing terrible, unthinkable things to your child. So you watch your child. You watch your child like you would watch, I don't know, a million dollars if you had it sitting on your front porch, you know. Watch your children. Watch your children. Um, and I don't mean just watch them outside, which that is included, but watch them when they're around people. My children, um, they're, they're taught to respect all adults, but they are not forced to physically interact with other adults. If that's not how they feel comfortable, I don't force them. I don't care who you are. I don't force them. Um, children have their own feelings and they shouldn't understand that they're in charge of their body. And, you know, and if they don't want to hug Uncle Joe or whatever, they shouldn't have to. They shouldn't have to kiss or be kissed on the face if they're not comfortable with that. And so my kids are not, they're not pressured to do that kind of thing. And I think that that's I think that's one of the lessons, um, I, you know, when it comes to children and protecting them, to me, it's at all costs. So I would do absolutely anything 
anything to protect my children. Anything. I remember my son, um, when he first started really being able, he had friends around the corner and he first started really being able to go out without us and enjoy his friends and he would want to get on his bike and ride around the corner. Well, I have, of course, I looked up the sex predators and there was a couple of people that were on the list that were in my neighborhood. It looked like they were charges from, you know, years ago and it was like a 20 year old dating a 17 year old, which is still bad, but you know, it's different than kidnapping and raping a child. And that scared me because, you know, I didn't know if this was his gateway rape or whatever and so my son would get on his bike and he would say I'm going around the corner and I would say okay and of course I was talking to the mom over there and when Christian gets there let me know he's there you know whatever and I would get in my I was so nervous and so afraid that I would just get in my car and follow him trying to stay back and so now I look like the creeper but I would I was trying to stay far enough back where he couldn't see me but close enough where I could see him. And I would just kind of follow him all the way over there and wait. And I don't know. I've just always been so, I don't know. My eyes have always been open to horrible things that can happen to kids. And I just wanted to raise, I wanted to do everything I possibly could to make sure I raised two kids or my, you know, my children to feel safe in their environment and know that their mother is here and that I am willing to do anything to make sure that they are well taken care of and and safe. So I think that may be a lesson, like watch your kids, just watch them. Um, this has been another amazingly terrible story, but we did get a lesson out of it. Um, let's watch our babies. Let's watch those beautiful little three-year-olds and make sure you join the Facebook group. Make sure you join the Facebook page. Like and share, subscribe to this podcast if you are enjoying it. Leave me some notes. Let me know um, how you feel I'm doing. I'm still fresh and new. I'm. Thank you for waiting. Thank you for listening. Uh, I am One Pissed Mom, and I will see you next time.